Let me begin in John eleven forty five. Here we go. It's going to introduce you to the beginning of the last week of the life of Christ. Now, uh, Verse 45, I'll read a couple of verses here. I want to set the, I'm going to do a, I'm going to do a lot of setup here. You need to understand, I'm setting you up. I'll tell you what I'm going to, what I'm going to tell you in a minute, but it's going to take a while to get there. So understand that. Amen. And so here we go. Verse 45, then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did believed on him, believed him. And some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, What shall we do? For this man works many signs. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and the nation. And none of them, Caiaphas, and one of them, Caiaphas, Uh, being high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all. And do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not that the whole nation should perish? And let me stop right there. What was brewing was the plot to kill Jesus. And you and I know that. So even before that that first week began the the plot thickened if you will the plan thickened they realized they were threatened by Jesus and the plot thickened little did they know that this was God's plan all along that they were playing into his hands by their resistance and being uh, and and reviling of Jesus Christ now look down in chapter 12 here we go Uh, chapter 12, then six days before Passover, you remember we just did communion? That's right in Passover. Then six days before Passover, Jesus came to where? He came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. And there were and There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. And Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Uh, Let me stop right there. Uh, Let me just say some people believe that this spikenard was actually the perfume, the very costly perfume perfume, it was costly, that women began to save up uh, year after year. Uh, It was a very, uh, you know, pricely, costly thing that they saved up for wedding night. And some people believe that very possibly that Mary poured out a year's worth of her saving. She gave it all, by the way, poured it on Jesus' head. And of course, Judas didn't get it, did he? She's wasting this value. How many of you know Judas had another plan? See, he wasn't thinking about how, what a beautiful picture it was that Mary anointed Jesus. In fact, he later told them, she's anointed me for my burial. But Judas didn't get it. And so that's the beginning of the first week of the last week of the first day of the week, of the last week of the life of Christ. And so they're plotting to kill Jesus, and we find Jesus at the beginning of his last week. I remember the beginning of his hardest days, his most 
painful days. How many of you know when you're in the garden sweating, as it were, great drops of blood, this is a tough road he's having to go down. And where does it all begin? It begins in Bethany at the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And undoubtedly we see here, and I'll show you more closely biblically in just a moment, that this house, this place of Bethany with Mary and Martha was a place of great solitude and refuge for Jesus. In fact, when you look to Scripture, and I'll show you, in fact, if you go, if you take a left, go back to John 11, uh, the beginning of John 11. Mary and Martha and Lazarus undoubtedly were listed and recognized and, and by, biblically, even by John, as, their, as his very close, if not some of his closest friends on planet earth. You get the picture. Everybody say Bethany. Everyone say Mary, Martha, Lazarus. They're among the closest. So here you go. Let me give you the first lesson. I'm going to show you this. Here's the first lesson, last-minute lessons from the last week of the life of Christ. Write this down. You're not going to see it up there. The lesson of faithful forever friendships. The lesson of faithful forever friendships. I want to show you today, I believe, symbolically and even just uh, looking at the story, how Jesus undoubtedly was modeling for his disciples the intrinsic vital value, if you will, of close, I'm calling them faithful forever friendships. He had them. John the Baptist, who was some say his best friend, and I tend to believe that, this is what he recorded in John 11 about Jesus and his interaction with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Now, a certain man, verse 1, was sick. Lazarus of what? Where is he from? Bethany. The town of Mary and his sister Martha. It was, it was that Mary, it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him and saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. So that now the Mary, Mary and Martha are playing on Jesus' real friendship and love for Lazarus. They didn't say Lazarus is sick. They said, how many of you know you'll do whatever you got to do to get Jesus' attention? The, Lazarus, the one whom you love, is sick. And so we see from their understanding that Jesus was really caring and really connected to, to Lazarus. Now, look what John goes on to say. Therefore, the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, to he whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. Verse 5. Now, Jesus, this is what Jesus, Jesus' best friend, John, wrote about Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. How many of you know Jesus loves everybody? Let me just ask you. How many of you love, you, you do your best to love everybody? Jesus said, love your enemies. Come on. But how many of you got some friends that you really love? Do you know it's no different with Jesus? 
He had a best friend. He had the 12. He, he really had his best friend, John. Then he had the three, and then he had the 12, and then he had the multitudes. But here on the side, we see he really draw, drew a real connection with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. So are you catching this, if you're catching it? Now, during Jesus' last week, it seems clear that he leaned into this faithful forever friendship that he had with them. It seems very clear. In fact, look now look at, go back to Mark. Let me show you this. Uh, I'm just getting different aspects that these different gospels kind of bring in to this relationship. Uh, now, most people began the first week of Jesus on the triumphal entry. And here it is, uh, chapter 11, uh, the triumphal entry. We may look at that next Sunday, uh, but... Uh, the triumphal entry. Here's what you need to know. Before Jesus went into town, riding on the donkey, you remember? Uh, you know, and they threw down the palm and they said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, look, uh, he came from Bethany. If you look, verse chapter 1. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethid, Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. Everyone say Bethany at the Mount of Olives. I'll give you a little geography here. If you can just remember the picture. You remember Jerusalem and the big city and even the western gate that is sealed up. I've been there. I've stood on top of that gate and looked down the Kidron Valley. And, and it goes back up to the Mount of Olives and to the Garden of Gethsemane there. And then on up to the top of the mountain. And right over the crest and right in that area was Bethany. Okay? And so get the geography here. Uh, uh, so... So here, the triumphal entry, it began in Bethany, and he comes down in the triumphal entry. But now look down to verse 11. And Jesus went into Jerusalem <coughs> and into the temple. How many of you know that's an important place? Okay. So when he had looked around at all things, he's perusing the neighborhood, if you will. As he, and the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now the next day... When they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry and he went back into town. So I just want you to see that this first day, he comes in the triumphal entry and he, and he's perusing what's going, he's kind of, he's checking, he, he's checking it out, if you will. He's following through with prophetic protocol because how many of you know Jesus riding on a donkey was prophetically declared in the Old Testament? He's, 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 he's dotting every I, he's crossing every T, and on the end of that first day, he said, guys, we're going back to Bethany. In fact, it's, it's, uh, it's a place uh, uh, of, of extreme historical significance. It's a place of extreme biblical, prophetic importance. And I want to show you that this morning. I want you to see it. Now, you can go back to John chapter 11. Uh, it's just go back to the right. John chapter 11, uh, it says about Bethany uh, that it, and I've, I haven't walked this walk, but I did my study. It's called a Sabbath day's journey. John uh, 11 verse 18, it says, it says, uh, verse 8, did I say 18? Here we go. And Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. 
So a Sabbath day's journey is about two miles away. In other words, on, on the Sabbath, you can't be walking very far. And, and if you walked a, a, a pretty good clip, you could walk from Bethany to Jerusalem in about 20 or 30 minutes. So it's not a long walk. But here at the close of the day, they didn't get the, they didn't go to Best Western. They didn't get into the, they didn't check into the Elegante. Uh, Jesus, he said, no, where are we going? After the first, after the big triumphal entry, you'd think there'd be plenty of people there who would want Jesus to stay with them because it all began great. They're, they're throwing down palm leaves and palm branches. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so we see that Jesus knew something way beyond what they knew. In fact, he went into the town and while they're all celebrating his arrival, what's he doing? He's weeping because they didn't understand the day of their visitation, the scripture says. So, so Bethany, he said, we're going back to Bethany. We left Bethany, went through the triumphal entry, walked up into Jerusalem, whatever. We don't know much about that. It just says, Now we're going back. So we're walking 20 minutes, a Sabbath day's journey, back up to Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Are you with me? Say amen. As I said, I'm going to, I'm leading you somewhere. So let's look at Bethany. Now, Bethany, uh, I believe, and this is what I want you to catch, but because what are we talking about? The lesson of faithful forever friendships. We see Jesus leaning into them. And these friends of theirs lived in Bethany. Uh, and so it's a place, no doubt, for Jesus of, of refuge with faithful forever friends during the last week of his earthly ministry. Let me tell you something. When you go through hard times, when you go through struggles in life, you need faithful friends. I believe Jesus is modeling this for his disciples. I believe not only is he tapping into Mary and Martha and Lazarus' friendship for a personal uh, shot in the arm for some strength and encouragement and and rest and resolve in the face of what he's about to walk through, but he's taken his disciples with him. He's wanting, have you ever seen someone uh, who had a great friend and how they interacted with each other and you realize, man, I'd like to have friends like that. And could I say to each of us today, wherever we are in life, we need to learn this lesson of faithful forever friendships. You know, last weekend, as you know, our son got married on Saturday, and it was a small wedding. Uh, It was a, a wedding of just immediate family and close friends of the bride and the groom. That was kind of hard for us because we wanted all our friends and our friends' friends to be there too. But how many of you know it wasn't me saying I do? And so they planned this small, intimate wedding, and our family was there. And I'll tell you, I was overjoyed at, at his beautiful bride, Melanie. And I was overjoyed, we were overjoyed at the, 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 the wonderful joy and peace that we saw. That was the experience of this wedding But let me tell you what we also saw. We saw Nathan's lifelong faithful friends gathered together and literally wept and cried with joy. And I thought to myself, that boy's on the right track. He's not a boy. He's 37, I think, 37. He he has begun his 
relationship. You know what I did? I gathered some of those, those, his lifelong friends together. I gathered their wives together. There's three or four of them there. I said, and, and I, this was, I said, thank you, girls. And they said, what? I said, for letting Nathan's friends be friends. And they just lit up. I said, these are lifelong friends. Little did I know I'd be here today. But I'm telling you, there, there's something priceless about a faithful, lifelong, right-hearted, like-minded, like-kingdom-minded uh, friends. And so that's what I'm talking about. So here Jesus and his disciples go back to Bethany, the place of faithful, forever friends, uh, and they go back. But let me just tell you about Bethany. This is historical because catch this, in Luke 24, uh, I'm going to turn there. Uh, you, you can if you want. It's just to the left a little bit. Luke 24, we fast forward from Luke's... Uh, 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 understanding and his his history of the resurrection. We we look to Luke twenty four, verse fifty. Let me show you something. It's significant. So he's just given them. Uh, uh, he's they've been he's been with them forty days. The resurrected Christ, and it says verse fifty. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Where did he take them back to? He takes them back to the place of faithful forever friends. They, they, hey, they know the place. They've been there. He takes them back there and he blesses them. And it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. Where did that happen? In Bethany. The place of faithful forever friends. He's, he's putting a exclamation point on the point. In fact, we know from Acts chapter one that the angel appeared to them while they're sitting there going, golly. The angel says, guess what? That same Jesus who departed from you is coming back just like he left. And guess what the Bible says in Zechariah chapter 14? That when he comes back, you know where he's coming back? Bethany. Are you with me? Say amen. I'm building a, I'm building a foundation. I'm building a case here. Follow me. So Bethany is hugely significant in the history, his story. It's the place where his faithful, it's the faithful forever friends, Mary and Lazarus, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, the place where Mary anointed him and the first act by anyone preparing him for his destiny was, was Mary who, who poured out her life savings to anoint him for burial. And Jesus is coming back. So with that in mind, let me talk to you about Bethany. Bethany is translated by most and many as house of figs. Everyone say house of figs. You say, where is he going now? Everybody say house of figs. Now, we know if I had time, I'd go back to Mark 11 because on day two, when Jesus leaves and comes back down from the, the Mount of Olives from Bethany, down through the Kidron Valley, as he leaves, uh, he sees a fig tree, and it's and it's barren. He, and it says he's hungry. 
And, and even theologians talk about, well, why was he hungry? Did Mary and Martha not feed him? What, that's, what's the deal? And he's going to get some food from the figs. We'll, we'll talk about the figs in just a moment. But the fig tree is barren. And what does Jesus do with the fig tree? He curses the fig tree. And I, I don't have time to study that in great detail. Uh, but understand something. Here's what I want you to get about house of figs and the fig. It's symbolically huge. Jesus uses the figs and he uses Bethany, the house of figs, uh, to teach and illustrate. How about Jesus throughout his life? He taught in parables. In fact, we'll see in a few minutes that he spoke a parable about the fig tree. So I'm not out of bounds here talking about the house of figs. So here they leave the house of figs. They're leaving at, and, and undoubtedly that's a region where the fig trees were prevalent. Undoubtedly, I, I, I haven't gone deep and wide there, but he curses this fig tree that has no fruit on it. That'll come back to you at the end of this message. And so house of figs. Let me just give you some stats, and then I'll tap into these. Some things about figs and the house of figs and fig trees. In India, Egypt, Southeast Asia, the image of a house shaded by a fig tree symbolizes security and prosperity. So fig trees, even out uh, extra-biblical illustration, people looked at the fig tree and, uh, as, as a symbol of security and prosperity. Also in other cultures, the fig tree is portrayed as the tree of life, representing the interconnectedness of all life on our planet. In fact, a lot of theologians believe in the Garden of Gethsemane, pardon me, not the Garden of Gethsemane, but the Garden of Eden in the beginning of time when Adam and Eve were there, that the tree of life was actually a fig tree. I don't know that, but a lot of people believe that. And they believe because of that, that the fig tree symbolizes life and the interconnectedness of life on planet earth. Whoa. Now figs, figs are an ancient fruit, as you can see, they're, cult, they're cultivated for centuries and celebrated. Catch this, figs are celebrated for their intense nourishment. Now think of Jesus coming back down out of Bethany. I don't know if Mary and Martha slept late and they forgot to cook the... Oh, they didn't eat bacon uh, the, back then, sorry. They didn't eat that pig, did they? How many of you appreciate that we've been set free from the law? Hallelujah. Taylor Deanne loves her bacon. But whatever Mary and Martha didn't do, he's hungry and he goes to the fig. Now he knows, we know, they know, everybody knows that the fig is a source of intense nourishment. It's full of fiber, copper, vitamin B6 and potassium. Y'all want to get a fig tree before this is all over. And catch this, it is regarded as a sacred symbol by many. An emblem that is older than the fig tree itself. So, so this fig tree and this fig represents a whole lot even to people who are not biblical scholars. We're coming back to all of that. Now, the Scripture, now, now it's going to get good. In Scripture, and we're going to look at these three verses in just a moment. Again, I told you I'm building a case. What are we talking about? The lesson of faithful forever friendships. Uh, I'm, I'm building that, and I'm coming back to that, but i got to get you to all this. There's three passages in the Old Testament, Micah 4.4, 4, 1 Kings 4.25, and Zechariah 3.10, that have this phrase, under their vine and fig tree. Everyone say this. Under their vine and fig tree. Y'all didn't say it because it's not up there. Okay, say it with me. Under their vine and fig tree. 
And it, and it represents something profound. The scripture in Old Testament, in different times and places and means, they give a descriptive of what's going on by saying this statement, man, they're living under the vine and the fig tree. And this phrase in their day, when you heard it, refers to the independence of the peasant farmer who had been freed from military oppression. So in the Old Testament, when people found levels of liberty and they had come out of something and into the blessing and favor of God, they said, "Woo, man, he's living under the vine and the fig tree. How many of you want to live under the vine and the fig tree? Man, they have been set free. There's no more oppression. There's no more slavery. There's no more lack. Man, the blessings of God are upon your, the, your people. We're living under the vine and the fig tree. Whew, I got all through that. And I didn't have a PowerPoint one. Now, what are we talking about? I got to build this because this is not normally how I speak uh, and teach. It, we're talking about the first lesson. Last-minute lessons from the last week of the life of Christ. Lesson number one that began on the first day before he ever came into Jerusalem. The lesson of faithful forever friendships. And Bethany, the place of figs, the house of figs, and Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And I came to tell you, I don't believe any of that is happenstance. Because I know Jesus talking, he talked in parables and he taught in, and he used the fig tree. He, he cursed the barren fig tree in Mark 11. And he used it as a teaching tool to the disciples. And then if you went to Matthew 24, uh, he spoke to them, as I said, about that when, when you see the fig tree, uh, it, and he talked about prophetically. A lot of people believe that he's using the fig tree as a symbol of Israel. And when you see the fig tree begin to blossom, know that my time has come. And some people believe that that, that parable and that teaching has to do with uh, Israel becoming a nation in 1943, is it? 19, not 49, 48? I got in the 40s. I got it right. In fact, I've actually been to in front of the, the building, the facility where Israel was born again. I've been there. There's nothing uh, uh, magnificent about it, but the tour guide will take you there right inside that building is where Israel became a nation. And many people believe that, that this, this parable that he talked to them about the fig tree was a prophecy about the rebirthing and the, and the, and the, and the Israel being born again. How many of you know born again is a big term? And so, so Jesus used the fig tree for teaching purposes. So let me do that with you this morning. Whew. I don't believe that anything that I just shared with you was happenstance. I don't believe it's happenstance that, that Jesus had some really good friends in Lazarus, Mary and Martha, who just happened to live in Bethany, the house of figs. I believe Jesus was modeling for his disciples. Not only just drawing from this great relationship that he had with them for his personal benefit, but to model for his disciples and teach them the value of faithful forever friendships. Are you with me? Say amen. So here we go. The environment of faithful forever friendships. Number one, I wish I had the PowerPoint. It's a place of life. 
What is the fig tree? They called it the tree of life. Could I say to you today, I believe what Jesus was saying to his disciples, faithful forever friendships above me in my life is what you need to maintain life. It's a place of life. It's a place of resurrection life. Lazarus is dead. You know what Jesus did when he heard Lazarus was dead? He wept. But you know what Jesus did to Lazarus there in Bethany outside in the graveyard? He said, roll away the stone. Somebody say, roll away the stone. So here we have Bethany, the house of figs, the place of life. It's where Jesus went, in a sense, to draw life. In this last hour, he went to his faithful friends and he abode with them and they fed him and they nourished him. And Mary anointed him with oil, precious oil. And I tell you for sure, he was all man, but he was all God. And he knew the value in the time of need of faithful friends. I have some faithful, lifelong friends. If you were here Thursday, you saw some of them. One of them I gave the Agua Resources uh, Impact Award to, Pastor Ron Hammonds. If I had time, I'd tell you the story of how one of my, what I thought was a lifelong friend, was not a lifelong friend, and he was in reality undermining my, my, my budding relationship with Pastor Ron Hammonds. This has happened years ago, 30-something years ago. He was undermining my future. I didn't realize that. And I realized, man, the devil was using somebody I thought was my friend. How many of you know everybody that you think is your friend is not your friend? But just because you got people you think your friend are not your friends doesn't mean you don't need the real thing. And so I awarded right over here one of my lifelong friends, Ron Hammonds, with a, uh, Agua Resources 2020 Impact Award. You saw Sonny and Susan Knatzer here, uh, last night, if you were, or Thursday night, if you were here. Uh, Sonny and Susan, man, uh, uh, my wife was, was, was born again and filled with the Holy Ghost under the ministry of Pastor Sonny Conancer, who was in youth ministry. I came to that church and I met my wife there and we became lifelong friends. Pastor Sonny, pardon me, performed our wedding ceremony. And, and I, I can't even remember how old I am. I'm four, uh, and how, pardon me, I, I barely know how old I am or how long I've been married. It's in the 40s, I think. Uh, and so, uh, 41, I think, my wife can tell you for sure. Uh, but how many of you know that's lifers? We need lifers in our life. And so, uh, so I draw life from those guys. In fact, I told them about a month ago, I'm taking y'all to Mexico with me. We're going to drill a water well together. They looked at me kind of funny. You know, they're old like me. They're older than me. And I said, I'll buy your ticket. Okay, we'll go. I'm taking my lifers with me. Uh, And so... So it's a place of life. Number two, the environment of faithful forever friendships, just like Bethany was to Jesus and, 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 and Mary and Martha and Lazarus was to Jesus. It's a place of true connection. Everyone say true connection. Somebody say true connection. 
That's what, that's what the uh, history uh, looks at the tree of life. It re- represents the interconnectedness of life on planet. Let me show you this. And if I can get to Zechariah, it's close to the end of, of the Old Testament. Let me get to Zechariah. There it is. Zechariah, I mentioned it to you. It's this phrase, under the vine and the fig tree, Zechariah 3. Zechariah 3 uh, is a prophecy of the coming of Christ and the millennial reign. Fast forward to the end of time. How many of you know it all links up? The end of time, and I won't get into it too deep, but there's a time coming of the millennial reign where Jesus comes and sets up residence on planet earth with a new, oh my, OMG, and it's the millennial reign. I don't have time to talk about it, but here's a prophecy about the millennial reign. Zechariah 3, verse 6. Uh, my goodness, I know I'm running out of time. Uh, verse, verse 6, all the way down to verse 10. Then the angel of the Lord admonished jo- Joshua, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you walk in my ways and if you keep my commands... Then you shall also judge my house and likewise have charge of my courts. I will give you places to walk in among the, these who stand here. Hear, O Joshua, the high priest, you and your companions who sit before you, for they are a wondrous sign. For behold, I will bring forth my servant, the branch, that's Jesus, from behold, the stone. And that I have laid before Joshua until the stone are seven eyes. I don't have time for all this. Behold, I will engrave its inscription saying, the Lord of hosts, uh, I will remove the iniquity of the land in that day. In that day, says the Lord of hosts, everyone who invite, everyone will invite his neighbor. Everyone say neighbor. Now here I'm here. Everyone will invite his neighbor under his vine and under his fig tree. So the description of the millennial reign, when this is all over, the earth is about to melt with a fervent heat, okay? For a thousand years, there's the millennial reign, and everyone's going to bring his neighbor, and we're going to live under the vine and the fig tree. So the millennial reign is described... And, and a foreshadowing even of Bethany on planet earth and faithful forever friendships is a place of true connection. Living under the vine and the fig tree. Are you with me? Say amen. In fact, gosh, if I had time, we go to Ephesians where it talks about we're joined together. We're connected together under the governance and lordship of Jesus Christ. Man, oh man, that's going to be fun. Number three, it's the place of honor and respect. This environment of faithful forever friendships, it's a place of honor and respect. What did Mary do? She honored him. He came into her house and she, she honored him with an anointing oil and she, re, she respected him. And how many of you know Jesus, though he was all God, he was all man. And he realized this woman loves me. She cares for me. This family loves me. They care for me. They honor me. They respect me. Listen, true friends never disrespect their friends. That's what we all need. We need, we need some people who live in Bethany, the place 
of the figs, the house of figs. And so this environment of faithful friendships, it's a place of honor and respect. It's also a place of rest and relaxation. And here Jesus would come back and I can just see the house. I I don't know that it's true, but all of this kind of conspires together that I'll just bet you, if I were a bet man and I'm not, I would just bet you that that house had a fig tree shadowing over it. Because it represents, as we said, it symbolizes security and rest. And Jesus went back in the beginning of his last week to the place where he knew there was rest. He also knew this, oh gosh, I I don't have time. Mark it down if you're taking notes. Let me see. I don't even have my phone. I don't know if I have time. The place of, of rest and relaxation, if you went to that First Kings chapter 4, I'll just do it really quick. Uh, verse 20 through 25, I won't go there. But what's happened is Solomon's reign, and man, it's blessing, blessing, blessing. Everyone say blessing, blessing, blessing. Solomon's reign. Everything's hitting on all eight cylinders. It's Solomon's reign, children of Israel. You know what it says about the times there uh, that was that were happening when, when the blessing and favor of God. You know what it says? They were living under the vine and the fig tree. So here's the prophecies: Zechariah, the millennial reign. It'll be as the vine and the fig tree overshadowing us. It'll be that place of rest, that place of true connection, that place of life, that place of honor and respect. And so, uh, so that's what Jesus is trying to get over to his disciples. The value of the house of Bethany, the value of the place of figs, the value of the house of figs, the value of faithful forever friendships. And it's also a place of intense nourishment. The fig tree is a thing of great nourishment. How many of you know friendships feed you and they don't hurt you or harm you? You see, when you have those kind of friendships, you're an investor. You invest. Because guess what? There's a time when you need to make a withdrawal. And so the house of Lazarus and And Mary and Martha were a place of intense nourishment, just like the fig is celebrated for its intense nourishing value. It's also a place of restoration and recovery. Lazarus was dead. Man, I'll bet Mary and Martha and Lazarus were glad that somehow, someway, they became close companions to Jesus. Because when Lazarus died or was sick, they sent Go, Jesus come, Jesus came to his friends. Let me tell you something. When you got, when you have a need, friends show up. I can, I, let me just rewind. I don't have my clock. Uh, oh, I got three minutes. I'll finish. Here we go. Back up a, a, a long time ago when my dad died. Killed tragically in a plane crash. I'd never been through such trauma in my life. And my friend Sonny Conancer was right there. And my friend Sonny Conancer went with me to the hospital where my wife was in the hospital, pregnant with Laura Beth. She was dehydrated uh, and, and they, she couldn't take any medication. She was in the hospital because she was shriveling up rather than blowing up. And my friend Sonny came to the hospital with me and we walked into my lovely wife's hospital room, great with child, and had to tell her that that my dad, her father-in-law, who loved her immensely, 
was, was dead. Now, I say all that to say, thank God for faithful forever friends. So, it's a place of restoration and recovery. And just if you go back to the millennial reign, the Micah 4, verse 14, the millennial reign, again, it's under the vine and the fig tree. Place of freedom from oppression. Remember, the under the vine and the fig tree, uh, a place uh, where the peasant farmer can rejoice because he's no longer under the oppression of any military uh, uh, slavery type uh, hand upon them. And so let me tell you something. When you get these kind of friendships, it's liberating. It's freeing. And that's what Jesus wanted his disciples to catch. Because you know what they were doing with Jesus? They'd put all... They're chips, if you want to use a gambling term, on Jesus Christ. He was their friend. But he was telling you, I'm about to leave you. I'm not going to leave you comfortless, but I'll send the Holy Spirit. But you've got to understand, you need these kind of relationships in your life. And now we fast forward into the beginning of the second day. And he curses the unproductive fig tree. This is just a thought. Could it be that if we live our life and we have not developed a few faithful forever friendships, that we are cursed with some kind of curse. We've not embraced the house of figs. We've not valued those that God has brought into our life to bring value to us and for us to bring value to them. It's interesting to me that the body of Christ is in fact the body of Christ. I've got a lot of good friends, but I have a lot in my book, faithful, lifelong friends, some which are scattered around the world. And I've always told people you need friends everywhere because you never know when you may need a friend wherever you are. As a side note, if you're stuck in Pakistan or in Thailand or in China or in Africa, and you need a friend, guess what? I've got friends there who can be your friend. Don't look back over the course of your life. Listen, understand something. What was he doing with his disciples? He said, this is what you're going to need to be able to fulfill what I've called you to do. You're going to need faithful, forever friends who, when you build those relationships... They'll be as though you're living under the banner of the vine and the fig tree. Carrying you through every trouble, every trial, every storm. I've heard people say this. I am a friend of God. Jesus is my friend and that's true. But let me say, if you say that and you don't have some faithful, lifelong kingdom friends, who you are as to them, 
a banner of blessing and covering as they are to you. I question your real friendship with God. Because Jesus, first of his last lessons to his closest confidant disciples was the lesson of forever faithful friends. Are you with me? Say amen. Let's stand together. Let's pray. Thank you for your patience today. Lord Jesus, as we close out this service, may this message, this lesson that Jesus modeled for his disciples through his relationship with Mary and Martha and Lazarus, may this message stir our hearts to look to our future and begin the lifelong process of formulating faithful forever friends that will walk with us through and toward the purpose of God for our life. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Praise the Lord. I hope you got that today. I hope you caught that today. It's certainly important. I want to pray for us this morning and just bless us as we go out into the world. May you find your place at the place of the house of figs today, that place of blessing. You go on your journey to build relationships with others and maintain and, and, and nurture those relationships. How many of you know the Bible says a man of many friends must show himself friendly? So go, hey, it, it's, it's not, it's a life. It's an investment of your life. Father, bless these people as they go today. Bless our church as we build these relationships, not just in here, but out there for your glory and your honor. And everybody love the Lord. Say amen. God bless you. Love somebody before you go.